we the jury find the defendant, John Ortiz Beagle, guilty of first degree premeditated murder? <laughs> Hello, this is a prepaid debit call from John Kehoe. An inmate at the Michigan Department of Corrections, Muskegon Correctional Facility. From a 7 by 10 foot cell of a Michigan prison, I am John Ortiz Kehoe. And welcome to Creating a Cannibal. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast dedicated to exposing the truth behind the wrongful conviction that left me labeled as a monster and sent me to die in prison. Now, for the first time, you are about to hear the true story of what happened inside and outside of the courtroom. I'll reveal the names of witnesses who took the stand and tell you what they said. You'll find out who was actually involved and learn about the role they played in framing me for a crime I didn't commit. For 20 years, I was silenced by the concrete walls and razor wire that surrounds me. And for 20 years, the media ran with the one-sided version of this case, a version that is full of distorted evidence and outright lies. They gave you sensational headlines, but me, I'm giving you the truth. With my side of the story finally out in the open, the trial ends on whose version of what happened that night the jury chose to believe. My attorney, Jerome Sabota, said his strategy was to break down the prosecution's bogus case and allow the jury to see for themselves who was truly responsible for Rose's death. Still, I was furious that Sabota didn't call any witnesses of our own, and he never consulted with a forensic expert to verify if the state's findings were even accurate. So to make sure the jury wasn't fooled by all of the prosecutor's dirty tricks, I was counting on Sabota to do what he was paid to do and hammer this thing home. This is Creating a Cannibal, Episode 12, Sabota's Close. On the final day of John Ortiz Kehoe's trial, the stage was set for both sides to present their closing arguments. Attorney Jerome Sabota rose to address jury. Attorney Jerome Sabota stated that it would be impossible for any juror to believe that John Ortiz Kehoe was guilty of murder beyond a reasonable doubt. He explained by telling the jury, there were only two people in this world who truly know what happened the night Ms. Larner died, and one of the two, Bill Brown, has a history of blaming innocent men for her death. Now, Attorney Jerome Sabota said, Bill Brown is pointing his finger at John Ortiz Kehoe, in exchange for a deal to save himself. Attorney Jerome Sabota told the jury that not one piece of physical evidence presented by the prosecution proved how Ms. Larner died, and although the jury heard from a number of people who testified about what they had been told, none of those people were there to witness what actually happened. Attorney Jerome Sabota argued that each piece of evidence the prosecution used to prove that John was guilty of killing Ms. Larner could also be used to prove that Bill Brown committed the crime. Sabota reminded the jury that only one drop of blood, matching Ms. Larner's DNA, was found by the team of crime scene investigators, and that one drop of blood was found outside of the bathroom, near a telephone in the hallway of the house. According to Bill Brown's story, blood should have only been found inside of the bathroom. Why didn't investigators find any evidence inside of the bathroom? And why was one drop of blood found by a phone in the hallway? The answer to that question wasn't in Bill Brown's story 
and the prosecution gave no explanation for it either. On the other hand, attorney Jerome Sabota said that John couldn't tell the jury why a drop of blood was found on the hallway wall because John was not at the house when Ms. Larner died. John didn't know what happened while he was gone, he didn't have a convenient answer for everything, and he didn't make up a horrific story about what Bill Brown did so he could get a deal from the prosecutor in order to save himself from going to prison for the rest of his life. John only told you what he knows. Attorney Jerome Sabota added. Attorney Jerome Sabota continued by arguing that for every witness who claimed that John made threats or admissions, there is another witness who says that Bill Brown confessed to being the killer. Sabota acknowledged that assistant prosecutor Kelsey presented a long line of witnesses who testified that John threatened to kill Ms. Larner. However, attorney Jerome Sabota asserted that each of those witnesses were either family members or friends of Bill Brown, and assistant prosecutor Kelsey gave sweetheart deals to anyone in prison who would point the finger at John. Attorney Jerome Sabota then pointed out that Bill Brown's own father testified that he told his son Bill to stop telling people he killed Ms. Larner, and Bill Brown's girlfriend Carla Cummins testified that she asked Bill Brown to tell her and her friends how he killed Rose Larner. Because John and Bill Brown agreed on much of what took place prior to Ms. Larner's death, attorney Jerome Sabota questioned whose version of how she died made the most sense. Is it likely that John killed Ms. Larner? Attorney Jerome Sabota asked the jury. Considering that John was on his way home and had to be persuaded to come back, and when John did come back, he and Ms. Larner had consensual sex, as Bill Brown sat there and watched while he snorted lines of cocaine and played with himself. Then, according to what the prosecutor wants you to believe, John drove over 20 miles to another town just so he could buy a knife and a hatchet, and he supposedly did all of this so he could kill Ms. Larner in his grandparents' house because she wouldn't have sex with Bill Brown? I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen, but that story sounds too far-fetched. Attorney Jerome Sabota followed his summation of the prosecution's theory by presenting the jury with his own view of the case. If you're looking for who's responsible for Ms. Larner's death, Attorney Jerome Sabota said, Bill Brown is the person who fits a killer's profile. Bill Brown admitted that he tried to have sex with Shelley Wood and she rejected him. Brown said he was upset and he demanded he be taken home. Who was at his house when he got there? Ms. Larner. But Ms. Larner didn't want anything to do with Bill Brown. She wanted to be with John Ortiz Kehoe. So Bill Brown weaseled his way into a threesome by preying on Ms. Larner's desire to be with John. Bill Brown was looking for a way to get what he wanted that night. But Bill Brown's plan didn't pan out because Ms. Larner did not want to have sex with Bill Brown. He was left out and he was frustrated. He asked to join in. Ms. Larner ignored him. He tried to fondle her. She bit his leg. Ultimately, Bill Brown pulled John aside and asked him to leave. Bill Brown decided that he was finally going to get what he wanted. Attorney Jerome Sabota then finished his closing argument by telling the jury that the prosecutor's blinding desire to close the case resulted in him charging the wrong man for the crime. Sabota continued by stating that there is a reason why Bill Brown told such a convincing story and there is a reason why he knows exactly how Ms. Larner was killed. That reason, Attorney Jerome Sabota said, is because Bill Brown is the person who killed her. Attorney Jerome Sabota left the jury with what seemed to be the most obvious conclusion for who was responsible for Ms. Larner's death. However, the final word would go to Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey, as he stood to present his closing argument. There was no smoking gun, no reliable eyewitness, and no scientific evidence that actually proved anything. As Sabota pointed out, the case boils down to a choice of who to believe, and who to believe shouldn't have been a difficult decision for the jury to make, as long as they weren't distracted by all of the hype, and they used some common sense. But you and I both know that common sense 
just think they're common. And with the prosecution having an unfair advantage of being able to leave the jury with its final impression of the case, Assistant Prosecutor Kelsey was about to push the boundaries of what the court would let him get away with and what the jury would fall for. Next time, in episode 13, case closed. Thank you for listening to Creating a Cannibal, an MRI production. Make sure you follow me on social media and check out my blog for a more in-depth look at how I was framed. Creating a Cannibal is a podcast produced under Amarone Productions. Gerardo G. Gonzalez Jr., Robert D. Tab, and Lucas Sampson are editorial advisors. Emerald Santos, our executive producer and the one who makes our show. Our theme music are Ride the Mighty High, composed by John Ortiz Quijote himself, and Nothing Doing, composed by Ari De Niro. Our website is creatingacannibal.wordpress.com. Special thanks to Mr. John Ortiz Quijote for sharing his side of story. Also visit John's blog website where you can see documents from the case, johnortiz-quijote.blogspot.com.